This is Channel 253. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We We fly fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. One, two, two. Interchangeable. White Ladies. Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Annie. Our essential question this week, how is the fight for environmental justice influenced by race and class? So we are really lucky today to have two special guests. Uh, First, I'd like to introduce Crystal Kyer. She's currently at the Watershed Coordinator for Pierce County Planning and Public Works, formerly executive director of the Tahoma Audubon Society, one of Pierce County's oldest environmental nonprofit groups. Not the Tacoma Audubon Society. Tahoma. Tahoma. Welcome, Crystal. Thank you. We also have with us Melissa Malott, and she is the executive director of Citizens for a Healthy Bay, which many of our listeners, I think, are familiar with, but probably a lot of yeah. people don't actually know what that is, too. So we're really excited to have you both. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to the show. I think we first just wanted to start off with like telling us yeah. a little about yourself, how you got into what you're doing. What's your background? What's where, your passion? Where did you come, come from? from? Hey. <laughs> Any other things? Who would like to start first? Well, um, I'll start out. This is Melissa. Uh, you know, I'm really excited to be here today and talk about this issue. Um, uh, I got into environmentalism because I could see since I was a um, young kid that um, – I could tell that environmental toxins impacted people's health, and I also grew up in a family that was very low income, and I always felt like Mm -hmm. your economic status impacts Mm -hmm. your ability to be healthy and avoid environmental toxins. So Mm -hmm. um, this this is an issue that's really close to my heart and really personal for me, Um, and that that access to health and um, justice aspect of it is part of what made me want to go into environmentalism. Mm-hmm. So um, I deeply come from a social justice background and motivation in coming to this field. And um, a couple of years ago when I was choosing to become an executive director, I wanted to be um, able to influence people's access to health and having a healthy life and um, ability to be in a healthy space. So um, I was really excited to see this job opening at Citizens for a Healthy Bay. It's an organization that has been around for over 25 years mm-hmm. and has been kind of the watchdog group over the cleanup of toxic sites in Commencement Bay mm-hmm. and has had a really successful history in um, helping make sure that cleanups happen and that they're yeah. faster and better cleanups than they would have been otherwise. And um, CHB has helped this community avoid some really bad decisions mm-hmm. and helped them make some really good decisions. And so I'm just really excited to be here and be part of CHB and helping mm-hmm. make sure that our community has better access to healthy lives. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah, That's I was exciting. wondering about so many questions. So many. Yeah. I have so many questions. Um, <laughs> it seems like Tacoma's industrial history is really rich, and that's something that people um, take pride in. But the legacy of that is really maybe not so great for our community. So is that like? Is that something you think? Does that keep you up at night? Like, do you think about that a lot? Like, our identity as a as a city? Like, what? I do think yeah. about um, Tacoma's identity as a city. And I moved here from Wisconsin two and a half years ago, so I'm kind of new here. Okay. And you have fresh perspective. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think Tacoma's a really exciting place to be because it has this incredible industrial past that has made the city what it is and yeah. built the kind of the foundation of the city and the culture of the city. But it also is a city that's changing and mm-hmm. people are aware of um, that industrial past and kind of the mess that it left behind. I think that Tacoma has overcome its history as the um, Tacoma of aroma. Yeah. The the gritty city. Yeah. (laughs) I think we're still gritty. We're still pretty gritty. A little bit gritty. Yeah. But I mean, it's part (laughs) of that. And I think the good thing is that um, Tacoma is kind of changing and people are, they want a healthier future. And so it's this place where there's kind of a dynamic happening that is, um, trying to be healthier and there's shifts in power happening. And I think that's really exciting. Absolutely. So what was the, you mentioned like as a kid that there was something that kind of um, got your passion started, like that you were really into, was there like a moment or something that happened that triggered that for you? Um, So when I was five years old, my grandma that I was very close to got cancer Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um, 
it, it really, really impacted me and made me really sad and scared. And um, I didn't realize this until a couple of years ago when I went to research some of the stuff in my past. Um, I was running for the legislature in Wisconsin, and my grandfather was vice president of the IAM uh, UAW, and he. I went to look for um, kind of his background in their archives, yeah. and I found this incredible article right next to one of his articles that was about how um, corporations outsource their or they externalize their pollution control costs by causing pollution, and mm-hmm. that that's mm-hmm. a huge problem for workers mm-hmm. and is an injustice. And I mean, I was like five, six or seven years old. I can't remember what year that was written, but um, that message is like the core of mm-hmm. who I am as yeah. an environmentalist. And somehow that message seeped through mm-hmm. from my grandfather and grandmother. And because it happened around the same time that she had cancer I th- or first got cancer, I think that it like really, really impacted me in some ways. So mm-hmm. um it wasn't a single moment, yeah. but, like, I kind of know the time period that that yeah. impacted mm-hmm. me. Thanks for sharing wow. that. So, Crystal, want to tell us a little bit about your journey? <laughs> Full disclosure, sure. I might call you Becca. So, it's <laughs> <laughs> Crystal's daughter that uh, I taught and Nate from Nerd Farm Podcast also taught at Lincoln High School. And she's, and she's one of awesome. our favorite she's so great. people, yeah. students ever. She's legendary so. for being awesome. So I'm Apologies sure. in advance. In advance. <laughs> well, I know she'll appreciate this shout out. She said she'll yeah. be listening to her. Oh, good. Okay. So. <laughs> well, then, never mind. I mean, she copied my haircut, and uh-huh. I was really upset that day. That's funny. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, I grew up in the Puget Sound area. Um, in the the 70s and 80s, and um, my family did a lot of camping and hiking. Mm-hmm. Um, summers, weekends, two, three-week long trips and in a camper and a truck and all over the West, and we went to a lot of the national parks. Mm-hmm. And so I got that experience of really being outdoors and being in nature, and I, and I love it, and I love mm-hmm. how it makes me feel, and I, I still do today, and I think that's been an influence for me. Um, that fits really well along with the mainstream kind of white environmental mm. movement of protecting mm. those, you know, quote, pristine natural yeah. lands that yeah. has, uh, you mm. know, started, you know, 100 plus years ago. Years ago. Um, and that's kind of my entry into, you know, my desire to be outdoors in nature. Um, Just a love of outdoors I love yeah. being outdoors yeah. yes yes and I just moved and there's a forest in my backyard and hey, I go in it, go to it every day Dude, that's and, awesome uh, yeah it just makes me feel good the air is better um you know that and I lived in Tacoma for 10 years and mm-hmm. um got to have that experience and got to be a part of um Tahoma Audubon mm-hmm. um when I started working there as a conservation coordinator in 2006 um working mm-hmm. with um the communities to do voluntary habitat restoration projects mm. in the city of Tacoma. And so I lived in Tacoma and I was working in Tacoma and getting more, uh, you know, direct experience of what is an open space in a natural area in an urban environment mm-hmm. versus thousands of acres, you know, on Mount Rainier or somewhere else and the mm-hmm. challenges and how the urban areas have been neglected. Mm-hmm. There was this idea that you just leave it alone, it'll take care of itself. Right. Right. You don't yeah. need to invest in it. But the reality is when people are living there, you have illegal activities, dumping, yeah. Yeah. you know, there's a lot of issues and there's mm-hmm. a lot of problems that develop because of that. And we're just starting in the last, you know, 21st century, starting mm-hmm. to really re- recognize that we need to take care of our urban areas. And those areas, even though they're like small pockets, are really important for people who live there mm-hmm, and people absolutely. who don't have access to go mm-hmm. spend three weeks driving across the, you know, the country, going mm-hmm. going to different national parks. Mm-hmm. And for your daily quality of life, the access to those open spaces um, and that they're safe places and mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. places where you can learn and explore and mm-hmm. relax is like is really important. So. Um, now I'm working more on a watershed scale within yeah. Pierce County with um, the in the Puyallup watershed, which um, mm-hmm. part of Tacoma is in. So it's great to continue doing that work just on a little bit larger level. So what are some of your, um, I mean, you both mentioned kind of some projects and work you've done in Tacoma. Mm-hmm. What are some of the more, the ones that you feel the most, I don't know, most proud of or were the most challenging, but you, like you felt good in the end, or maybe they're still ongoing? Hmm. 
well, something that I worked on for a long time um, was uh, working with um, Forterra and the city of Tacoma on the Green Tacoma Partnership. Like mm-hmm. I mentioned, um, getting training volunteers to adopt open spaces and mm-hmm. learn how to take care of them um, and do voluntary work parties all nice. over the city and in, in parks. And that's, you know, ongoing project. I trained a lot of volunteers and they're continuing to do that. But there's mm-hmm. always issues of, you know, funding and yeah. political support right. for that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of our projects that I'm proud of is um, leading a coalition to help Tacoma pass a fossil fuel moratorium. Mm-hmm. So um, in November of 2017, the city approved a moratorium on uh, new fossil fuel projects. And so mm-hmm. um, our group had kind of brought people together and and um, helped lead that effort. And it was a really wonderful campaign so how long did that process take (laughs) uh we started in february um Mm -hmm. talking to people so we kind of pulled together a team of people in february to kind of talk about the need for it and what you know who all Mm -hmm. wanted to help on this and um so it took about eight months Mm -hmm. it actually was a pretty fast campaign seems really fast yeah yeah Yeah. very intensive yeah Yeah. Yeah. it was very (laughs) intensive yeah yeah um that's cool. Yeah, a lot of these projects, it seems like, especially with environmental projects, they take um, because people lack the political will, and because like businesses lack the political will, they sometimes have really long timelines. So like, you need patience <laughs> in your jobs, definitely. Yeah. And I think um, you know, at the city council meeting where they passed it, Councilman Keith Blocker talked about how um, this was actually a really quick effort and achieved yeah. success quickly, mm-hmm. and and. I think it's attributable to that change that's happening in Tacoma yeah. where people want Tacoma to green up and to be a healthier place. So totally. we were really just responding to what we saw as an opportunity in Tacoma and yeah. people jumped on board. Did you see that also with um, when you were recruiting volunteers for like um, Green Tacoma? Like was that something that you saw people energized about wanting to volunteer? Like are people on board in the city too? Yeah, I think people are. I think mm-hmm. there's – a still a lack of awareness. Um, Environmental groups don't do a lot of marketing. We don't have budgets for that. It's not a priority. So people just aren't aware of things. Um, I know recently, even though uh, Green Tacoma has been around for, um, I guess, over 10 years now, the... um, there's a new effort in Tacoma to get more trees planted, mm. street trees. There's a whole issue yeah. with canopy cover. Yeah. Um, I was and just thinking about, whole... like, how a lot of neighborhoods lack those mature trees, the big towering trees. We're really mm-hmm. fortunate in, like, near around Lincoln High School that we have a lot of really mature trees yeah. in Lincoln Park. And But, yeah, tell us – yeah, I'm interested. Tell me more. <laughs> yeah. So, so there is a, a new effort in the last year that's developed okay. around getting more trees planted and mm-hmm. also looking at equity, looking at mm-hmm. the distribution of those trees and where are the neighborhoods and communities where there's not as much um, trees and how that affects, you know, crime and health and air quality and stormwater pollution. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of um, benefits of having urban trees. Mm -hmm. Um, So I participated in some of those meetings and, you know, realized, wow, Green Tacoma has been around for 10 years, but these people don't know what it is. But mm-hmm. it's wonderful to see a new effort kind of flourishing and they're starting to do projects in um, schools and getting trees planted next to the highway yeah. um, and by playgrounds like mm-hmm. Je- Jenny Reed Elementary School is oh, one area they're doing a project. So nice. so I under- I think I can like. I'm just going to break it down for some of the people that maybe aren't don't really know what we're talking about. Um, so okay, so I understand the connection between trees and like some of the environmental factors mentioned, but you mentioned crime. Mm-hmm. What's what's the? Can you talk a little bit about that link? Like how does that I've, work? I've, I don't. Do you know a little bit about that? I've read some studies about um, crime and and just um, psychological health. Uh, yeah, yeah. So okay. if you're living in a built environment and there's mm-hmm. not much vegetation, mm-hmm. there's correlation between crime yeah. and places where there are more trees and vegetation is kind of a more kind of relaxing environment. People Mm -hmm. get out more. People Mm -hmm. are walking around. So there's more eyes on, you know, in the neighborhood. People are seeing what's going on versus staying in their houses and not wanting to go outside. There's also a correlation between 
trees and vegetation in shopping areas. People spend more time what? shopping, oh. walking, you know, like say in Lincoln District. There, was, yeah. there were more trees around there, more vegetation. Mm. It felt more comfortable. People would spend more time and spend more money there. Wow. So there's an economic benefit so as well. So it's an ambiance of the neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. You just spend more money out there. That's yeah. so interesting. So you mentioned wow. that is the people that are going to that are green is Green Tacoma specifically? Because um, I was thinking about all the so I'm kind of getting trying to get more aware about these issues, especially in Tacoma and like where I can invest my right, time. Right, right. Tacoma needs trees is the is Tacoma the new okay. group. That's yeah. a perfect started. name. That's yeah. so good. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Because so I keep hearing different names thrown around and I'm wondering, like especially for our listeners, like what's the difference between all these different environmental groups? How are they working together? Is one better than the other? Like if I wanna invest some time, like how do I decide yeah, what's which the, group? Is there a is there like an on? environmental summit in Tacoma? Like what's the <laughs> how, how do these groups coordinate with each other or like I don't help each other? Like are they working together? I think that we're working together. Um I don't think that there's um an environmental summit that's just a summit about groups working together. Um, to it's more we like, need to do that. That well, would be really yeah, there's neat. a couple groups starting up that I think are trying to do that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like Tacoma Roots is yes. one of the ones that we're okay. trying to okay. make yeah. some overlap. Okay. But yeah, if you could just speak to that a little yeah. bit. Yeah, tell us more about that. I definitely think we work together. I mean, we work together, um, Crystal and I, through Tahoma Audubon and CHB's work. Um, It's kind of like on the topic. So with the Fossil Fuels Moratorium, for example, we worked with Surfrider and Audubon kind of in a Mm low-key way and um, Washington Environmental Council and Sightline and groups that were statewide groups um, in a a more direct way. And so – um, it just depends on the topic and kind of what's called for. That makes when sense. When we work yeah. with um, on volunteer restoration of habitat, we work with Earth Corps, which is a statewide group. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just it kind of depends on what the topic is. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, Wild Environmental Council, Sightline, and Earth Corps are all state groups. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What Surfrider you mentioned was the other mm-hmm. one. Surfrider is a statewide group that has a Tacoma chapter. Oh, cool. And th- those are specific to like water issues or everything. It depends on the group. Okay. Surf riders doing beach cleanups yeah. and things around that and water quality stuff. Cool. Water quality, ocean health. Yeah. 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 Stuff nice. like that. And then I want to also mention Puyallup Watershed Initiative, yeah. um, which is a, a big effort um, funded by the Russell Family Foundation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's a 10 year effort to really build community capacity and engage new people mm-hmm. and more diverse people in the environmental movement and mm-hmm. expand what. The environmental movement means so they're looking at social uh, yeah. food justice issues yep. and community gardens and That's environmental awesome. health not just um you know open spaces or endangered species well, but they're broadening yeah. that conversation well, and watershed issues i mean everyone who lives anywhere near the watershed like rivers creeks mm-hmm. like the bay like it's that's a that impacts a huge geographic area too mm-hmm. like who are the stakeholders when you think about geography that's pretty incredible mm-hmm. yeah a lot of people at the table. But so many times they're left out, I think is kind of what you're saying. Yeah. So how, how are right. these efforts, I mean, what are, what are people actually doing to really include more diverse voices, like you mentioned, or make it not just like a middle class, upper middle class white thing? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, well, I can speak a little bit to Pial Watershed Initiative. I was just um, served on their transitional board, mm-hmm. and they've just started a new board. They're creating a nonprofit organization um, this year. And they have equity and inclusion as a key component Mm -hmm. of their mission statement and all of the work that they're doing. They've divided, they have, they didn't divide up. They asked the community members to offer issues or ideas or things that they want to work on, which they call communities of Mm -hmm. interest. And Mm -hmm. I think they have six or seven of them now. And they are working around issues like, Food justice, um, industrial awesome. stormwater, forestry, um, tra- active transportation, mm-hmm. which means non-motorized transportation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's walking, like, biking, okay. skating, <laughs> skateboarding. Yeah, my razor scooter. Yeah, okay. yeah, and safe streets. And... I'd like to see more of those upright bikes they have on like boardwalks oh at the yeah. beach. <laughs> <laughs> like a Segway, but you pedal, right? Unicycles. Yeah. yeah, those are good for you. Yeah. We need yeah. more unicycles. Good for your posture. Definitely. Yeah, more mm-hmm. unicycles. Not less unicycles. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, okay, so there's like concerted effort. There is concerted effort both in terms of their board recruitment at, at that level and also in terms of um, the requirements from the foundation as far as mm-hmm. what what are they interested in funding and what do they want to see happen. And they want to see change. They want to mm-hmm. see more 
people. They want it to be an inclusive environmental movement throughout the watershed. I'm sure they're also like they they can't not see the kind of tribal lands that overlap the Puyallup watershed too. That's Mm -hmm. so important. So I'm I'm sure that's part of the conversation Mm -hmm. as well. We have a lot of really active tribal governments, right, in our watersheds and our um, that's a yeah those areas overlap pretty Mm -hmm. significantly. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, I was going to say, too, that the there's a lot of um, leadership in within foundations Mm -hmm. to get environmental groups to be more aware of race equity issues and how the Mm -hmm. environmental community has traditionally been pretty white and upper Mm -hmm. middle class educated. Um, And so there's you know, I've been in the environmental community almost my entire career and um, whether in Wisconsin or here in Washington, Mm -hmm. there's a push to become more aware of race equity issues and become more inclusive as mm-hmm. an environmental community. So um, I think that there's, you know, this is something that's important for CHB and we're in fact um, going to soon be announcing that we're hiring okay. some staff to work on environmental justice and be our environmental justice coordinators and project coordinators. So, awesome. um, so I think it's something that the environmental community is acutely aware of and, mm-hmm. um, and is putting effort into getting to be better about this. Can either of you speak to, like, the history of this? Like, why it became white and upper middle class and yeah, all of that? Like, Crystal, you were mm. kind of mentioning that, kind like, of, the origins of the environmental movement are in that kind of um, white middle class experience of enjoying the yeah, outdoors as, mm-hmm. like, almost like recreational entertainment. Like, is that where it comes from? Or, like, is there more to the story? Like, what what do you think? I... I haven't read a history of it, yeah. but I think just your yeah, hot takes. I could, I could <laughs> maybe touch a little bit on it. I'm yeah. not an expert, but That's I okay. mean, I mean, if if you go back to Roosevelt mm-hmm. and protecting mm-hmm. lands, um, he did a lot in this country to create national parks and yeah. protect lands. But those are those far away, pristine areas mm-hmm. um, that you know most people don't have access to, and. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the 20s and 30s, you need to have a car. And yeah. how many people had right. cars, yeah. you know, to go to go off and spend the yeah. day in the wilderness? Right. So that automatically um, set a divide, the car, plus the timing, the class think, divide. Too. Yeah. I mean, I think it goes back go. even farther. I don't, I don't know. I mean, you have scientists who were really, like, rich old white guys who yeah. didn't have jobs <laughs> who spent their time yeah. studying there natural history, or right? <laughs> there's a lot Walt, of that. Walt Whitman. Oh, that's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And then that? when you when you look at um, when the environmental um, laws were passed, mm-hmm. the things that led to that, you know, you think about Rachel Carson testifying mm-hmm. to Congress about environmental toxins. She mm-hmm. actually had cancer at the time. Mm-hmm. Um and died from cancer mm-hmm. um, before she saw some of those laws get passed. The Clean Water Act was passed because the Cuyahoga River in Ohio was mm-hmm. catching on fire. And that was about the the health of our waters and the health of our communities. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. um, I think the environmental movement has morphed a lot and has naturally drawn some of the people who have access to transportation and getting mm-hmm. to these pristine areas, but also... Um, people concerned about public health. And Mm -hmm. I think it's always been kind of a, I mean, I've I've always seen that divide kind Mm -hmm. of in the environmental community. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's, people are teaming up more now Mm -hmm. and and recognizing that we need to be aware of the public health implications of the health Mm -hmm. of our environment more. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting. I would would be interested too in seeing like um, how the history of leisure and um, like using the outdoors for recreation, yeah, like yeah. how does that um, how does that kind of align with the environmental? <laughs> movement? It's a good word, right? Um, it makes you think of like lounge pants, like soft socks. Um, I but like how those things are related, like the environmental movement and like leisure, because it seems like the people who have the time and the resources to devote to like leisure activities, purposeful leisure activities, are. I mean, right. you know, re- right. well-resourced. And out- outdoor equipment and yeah. good right. hiking shoes. Yeah. and things. They're not cheap. No, you they're know? not. Yeah. Um, so the, that's, yeah, the other side of it is, like, communities that have come to the environmental communi- com- community because they have been um, exposed to such acute pollution. So yeah. we know that a lot of power plants and chemical plants and highly polluting industries have been cited in low-income communities, right, right. and so that the 
those communities have um, borne the brunt of that yeah. toxic pollution and had widespread and horrible health issues. Yeah. Um, just one example is uh, endometriosis mm-hmm. is um, is directly connected to environmental toxins and is a horrible disease where yeah. um, uterine material grows in different parts of the body that it's not supposed to be in. And so when you have your period, um, you'll have parts of your body where this material has grown that is bleeding, essentially, and is incredibly painful and horrible. It's tied to environmental toxins. Mm -hmm. And the um, where this appears is like really in low income communities that are near toxic polluting industries. And so, um, you know, that that environmental issue um i think people are becoming more aware of and are saying like this is something we all need to be mm-hmm. kind of well, on. on the flip side of that too is a lot of um, folks who are nimbies not in my backyard type oh, of folks yes mm-hmm. uh, a lot of those people are uh, i know it's kind of a weird it's a weird one you don't hear very often but um are are people who are saying like we don't want this in our neighborhood um in our nice clean treed Mm-hmm. beautiful neighborhood. We don't want that, right? Um, the people who are, they're being built in places where people aren't saying no, um, maybe because they just, like, they don't have the political power, right, mm-hmm. to do that. Right. I saw someone on Twitter the other day who had Yimby in their description, <laughs> yes, in my backyard, and I was like, oh, that's that's impressive. I've never seen Yimby. That was new. But Yeah, I was just thinking about yeah. there are easily, uh, there are communities that I, I feel like are often taken advantage of, right? Mm-hmm. Just like you said, yeah. political will, um, organizing maybe isn't quite the yeah. same way because people are busy living their lives and trying to trying to survive or do take care of right. kids and work multiple jobs and stuff. Is that yeah? I mean, accurate? we see a lot of the NIMBY, so not in my backyard people, um, kind of taking all the air out of the room, so that mm-hmm. the communities mm-hmm. who are really impacted by health disparities caused by environmental toxins uh, don't have as much access to government decision makers, mm-hmm. and so um, you know. That's one of the really big problems with NIMBY folks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So I was also thinking, and this is not very popular, um, maybe it's a bit uncomfortable, but I was also thinking about, specifically in the Northwest. Um, You're so funny. <laughs> exactly. Specifically in the Northwest, I think we get a lot of folks who, like a lot of progressive folks who are like, really, you know, want to recycle and like we're oh, really yeah. hardcore about our glass and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And then we're just like completely ignorant about Black Lives Matters or we're like, oh, well, those police, you know, brutality situations that, you know, did they follow the directions? And I feel like there's this big disconnect um, between some of those things. And so it's like on the one hand, we're like fighting social justice issues when it comes to environmental things. But then like we've divorced that from like. Other social justice issues. It seems right. like they're kind of split. I so don't I, don't, I don't know what either of you think about that or if you've experienced mm-hmm. that or how do we how do we fight that? Mm. I think it's a psychological <laughs> challenge. I think it's easier yeah. for people to either for for white people either to be feeling white guilt mm. and not want to deal with it or feel like, well, it doesn't affect me, so it's not my problem. Um, but I think there is a role and it's upon us to f- figure out what that is to speak up when you should mm-hmm. speak up and not be silent. Mm-hmm. And it's it is really it's an uncomfortable thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a I mean, I definitely think there's a lot of tension and um, intersectionality is a word mm-hmm. that we hear a mm-hmm. lot lately. And I think we it's, love that word. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great word. Um, I first heard it just through feminism conversations yeah, right. that I've had. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's super interesting. And, um, you know, again, because the environmental community has traditionally been so white, it feels like getting involved in racial justice issues is a, you know, tense and uncomfortable Mm -hmm. area. Um, But I think we're seeing people more engaged in it and and becoming more aware of privilege and Mm -hmm. their own fragility and wanting to um, lean in more on that. So um, I don't know. I actually I'm interested since you guys are paying attention more to this. Like, do you see Mm -hmm. white people engaging more on Black Lives Matter? Um, <laughs> we're, we're kind of in an echo chamber, I think, sometimes because our a lot of the folks that we spend time with are like thinking about it and working on it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true of like of all of our colleagues or of like um, society at large. I'm not I don't know. I feel like I'm sort of insulated sometimes. Like I yeah. spend a lot of time at work with people who I 
talk to regularly and they, we agree about a lot of things, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't, when you get on the internet. Yes. I mean, I, I feel like the kind of, the conversation has been elevated about, um, I don't know, confronting privilege. I think that that's, it's happening. Mm-hmm. It's happening really slowly. Mm-hmm. And here in Washington, I think it's happening because people are being like called to task on mm-hmm. like, Hey, you're not you're not being equitable in how we have these conversations about social justice. Like you're focusing on this one thing, but like what about the the far reaching impacts of your decisions in these other areas mm-hmm. um, that are hurting people in our community? So, well, it seems like, especially in the last year with the elections, right? Mm-hmm. So with the shift in the president and then like some of the marches we've seen in the last few years where people are kind of coming out together and, and even the critique of those things, right? right. Like critique of the women's March, yeah. critique, critique of the science March. I, for, mm-hmm. I feel like there was a real name for that. The yeah. earth March. What was, yeah. I, thought I thought it was, it was a science, science March. Was it March? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the critique of like those spaces, right? Cause even there was some, I mean, there was people writing about it and talking about it like, wait, you know, how come these dudes and other people came out for science day, mm-hmm. but like didn't come out for women's issues and just like mm-hmm. forcing people to try to have some of those conversations. So, I always feel like that's a start, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's kind yeah. of one of our hopes with the podcast, mm-hmm. too, is just, like, starting some of those conversations so we can think about our yeah. own lives and, like, the spaces that we exist in well, and influence the people that we're around. And... Totally. Yeah, and Melissa, you said just mentioning endometriosis as an mm-hmm. example of, like, that's a, that affects um, female-bodied people, right? Like, yeah. if you own a uterus... Right? You are like, at risk of getting You're at it. risk of endometriosis. Yeah. And if you like, don't own a uterus, I don't think I've ever heard of a um, man... Yeah having it yeah right. and there I mean, there's also like i mean um for male-bodied people like hey um you may know some women yeah so you know women you know what? whoa <laughs> weird you may know some women who like are affected by endometriosis and like that's an environmental issue that impacts you indirectly because you care for that person or their pain or i don't know like like come on like that's just an obvious example of intersectionality that that's so perfect right like mm-hmm. perfect example so i'm curious um with the new president um, have things changed we at have all questions. In, in in your the world that you exist in? Yeah, and, do you, like, like do you talk about what's happened? If in there's your... one, yeah. you know, like everyone is constantly talking about his incompetence and everything that's getting messed up. But if he has an evil genius in his administration who is actually getting so many things done yeah. that it makes your head spin, it's the environmental field. Oh, tell us, mm-hmm. Scott more. Pruitt is yeah. um, just he's the EPA killing it. director. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's yeah. the head of the EPA, yeah. and he is. Right. Um, killing it in terms of an agenda. He mm-hmm. killing fact, it in a bad way, right? Not killing it like doing like so great. literally killing our environment. <laughs> yeah. Like so the kids, like because the kids say killing it, and that's a good thing. But killing it with a G is like bad. That's bad. He's killing it in terms of getting his agenda done, and oh killing it in terms oh, okay. of the environment. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, perfect. Um, yeah. In We're, fact, there's a hearing coming up in mm-hmm. Tacoma on February 5th about opening up offshore drilling off of our coast. Um, And I think people should show up for that. People need to go to that. Yeah, and actually I think I saw online that it's the only public hearing in the state of Washington. What? Yeah. Yeah. For this issue. They've changed how they accept public comment um, and have much shorter time periods for public comment. And they just are piling up on top of each other. There's Mm -hmm. so many horrible things happening What's some of the most egregious, in your opinion? It's all pretty bad. But. I mean, because some stuff's been highly publicized, like Bears Ears. Yeah, Bears right? Ears, yeah. Um, opening up drilling yeah. in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, oh you know, just, yeah. you know, trying to make us continue to be more a fossil fuel-dependent mm-hmm. economy. They which... rescinded the um, fracking rules oh that were going to put yeah. some controls on mm-hmm. natural gas fracking. I think they're trying to change the Clean Water Act. Mm-hmm. Um which is they're, they're trying to change the Clean Water Act. I, I, I that. believe so, um, and that has a lot to do with stormwater and pollution. Oh and but I really like the clean drinking water. water. Why would you I mean, want to change the Clean Water Act? I just don't. Oh, money. Well, some oh rules God, got changed. Thanks, some of the rules that Obama passed, um, they were clean water rules mm-hmm. yeah. um, to protect. Um, I think communities downstream from mines from. Oh, um, yeah. Pollution mm-hmm. being dumped in those those streams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that was actually one of the things that like they changed immediately within mm-hmm. the first couple months wow. of the administration. And mm-hmm. and mining pollutants are some of the worst. I mean, yeah. it's like arsenic and like lead, heavy and metals, like, heavy yeah. metals. It's terrible. Wait, we have a shame bell. We haven't used it yet. For so shame. This is when things are really bad in society. We're gonna shame. <laughs> yeah. Shame on shame that. on that. So feel free to grab it at any point if you. Yeah. Anytime you have strong feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Shake it. I like that. Those. Yeah. That's. 
what else? Any other things? I'm sure there's more. There's so many things. I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to keep the track Paris of it. Accord. Yeah. yeah. I think oh, now the U.S. is the only country that's not in the Paris Accord. So mm-hmm. how do you two feel about that? It's embarrassing. It's super embarrassing. Like, Syria yeah. is part of that now. And yeah. we are yeah. not. And they're actively yeah. engaged in a civil war. Oh, and yeah. they're in How the they Paris Climate Accord. Yeah. Like, who yeah. has time when you're in a civil war? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they totally are in it. Yeah. I mean, to, to have it be 2018 and still be debating whether or not climate change is real and human of humans are <laughs> causing it. Did you? I said this. You, it's you, scary. Shame, you shame on that. And then did you? I said, hope this this tweet that was so funny. This guy from oh my gosh, it was um, Donald Trump said something about oh. just something. I mean, not Donald Trump, the current occupant of the White House said something <laughs> about um, how oh the the temperatures were really cold in New Jersey oh, on the Jersey God. Shore, and mm-hmm. he was he said something about bundle up. Um, is climate change real or is global warming happening now it's really cold in New Jersey and this guy from Jersey Shore I can't remember his name I should look it up the TV show the TV show Mm -hmm. the Jersey Shore Mm -hmm. like a guido like ripped like tan (laughs) guy well, on Twitter, I was like, hey, Donald Trump, I actually think it's more about um, overall climate change. And it ha- this affects our waterways and our coastlines and all these things. It doesn't. It's not really just about global warming. And I was like, the guy from the Jersey Shore just took you to school <laughs> on climate change. Oh, this is so like talk about embarrassing. That's just like I mean, I was really proud of that guy, though. That was that's good. awesome. Yeah, it was really it was it was good. So that's a good point. So the fact that we're still arguing just like, it seems why? so preposterous. Yeah. I don't know. That, sometimes I wonder if like the I'm guy who's like the guy who's like Jim Tan Laundry is like got <laughs> climate change and like Donald Trump hasn't got climate right. change. Right. Well, I always go back to the question of who benefits, uh, and yeah, obviously yeah. corporations are mm. ma- and people are making a lot of money off polluting mm-hmm. and off fossil fuels, and yeah, they're going to keep doing it as long as they possibly can. Yeah. And, you know, again, just going back to the overall theme of this, like the people who are going to be hurt the worst and yeah. most immediately are mm-hmm. people who don't have access to yep. get away from it and protect themselves. Yeah. Poor people mm-hmm. and people of color. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, and there's like I read these articles about how there are these bunkers. Um, there's this company that's building these like high luxury bunkers what? in like Nebraska or Oklahoma, like someplace in the middle of the country safe from um, a bunch oh. of climate issues that cause millions and millions and oh millions of dollars gosh. to buy access to that are for people to um, go to if there's some kind of like nuclear war or huge like apocalyptic event um, and that you can stay there for years and years. What? Wow. Yeah. It's like wow. it's I mean, there's just so Not much separation. Yeah. yeah. It's like luxury Cold War yeah. accommodations. Yeah. Like, why? We don't want that. Yeah. Cold and War so was terrible. Like, the people have the most access to government and government decisions can be insulated from the negative right. impacts of that. It's yeah horrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how do you either of you feel about the you mentioned the monument, the national monuments and some mm-hmm. of the decisions? Well, currently, the decisions that are being made about that. Has it finally been decided? It hasn't. Right. It's just announced that we're going to get rid of some of these safe spaces. I think right? they shrunk Bears Ears. They like, did. Bears Ears happened. happened. They actually took the, mm-hmm. the boundary and like just they. So that's in. Yeah. But the other places in New Mexico, they're talking about. um Oh gosh, it hasn't happened yet. I'm not sure about those. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What do you th- What do you think is important about um, fighting to keep those spaces? Or is there anything we can do about that stuff? I think people can always, you know, use their voice, and they should do that. And they should mm-hmm. contact their 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 state legislature and their federal representatives. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's important. But I think the lesson for me is, even though you can protect something. It can be changed. Hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's like you always have to be on guard mm-hmm. because somebody can go and undo it. Nothing's mm-hmm. permanent. Yeah. yeah. Good. And I think we all have a duty to be aware of our the implications of our vote and like be involved. Mm-hmm. Like at the very basis, um, we we have a duty to vote and it's not just to advance our interests. It's to protect everyone in our community. I mean, I think like one of the most basic things that we can do to be um, helpful and productive community members and like protect everyone Mm -hmm. in our community is vote Mm -hmm. in Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and what percentage of the population of the United States that could vote did vote? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it was mm-hmm. pretty low. Mm-hmm. Yeah, voter turnout's very low. So do you feel like... Um, the stakes thinking about, are high. Yeah, yeah. yeah right, exactly. <laughs> thinking about like the activism and investing time, like do you think it's more worthwhile? I know kind of both and, but do you think it's more worthwhile to invest like some of that effort into local initiatives or federal initiatives, national... 
I think it's like? I think it's a good idea to focus on whatever you're most passionate okay. about, mm-hmm. whatever matters to you. It's mm-hmm. probably something that's personal and something you're passionate about mm-hmm. um, because burnout is real. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, different topics can be fashionable, trendy for right. a time. They yeah. go away, you know. Find mm-hmm. out something you're, you're passionate about and you love and you want to work on and focus there. That could mm-hmm. be local. It could be federal. Mm-hmm. It could be international. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's easier to get things done on, at the local scale and make a difference and mm-hmm. see impacts. But things need to happen nationally. Changing policy can have huge ripple effects down. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both and. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's sometimes it feels like with national efforts, it's kind of futile. I mean, we have some really good um, people in our congressional delegation, and um, I think for the large part, we can trust them to do the right thing. Um, And you know, I think at the local level, you can see you can more easily see change happen. You can see the impact of your decisions. So, for example, with the fossil fuel moratorium, like. Mm. hundreds of people showed up at that and you know it was such a huge effort at the mm-hmm. local scale mm-hmm. you know having people 400 people show up at a hearing mm-hmm. in Tacoma is a big deal yeah mm-hmm. yeah you yeah. know having 400 people speak up at like a national level thing is like not as big of a deal so mm-hmm. yeah. I think people can see a more the more immediate impact and like how their voice matters at the local level and mm-hmm. then hopefully they can build on that as they get comfortable with it and yeah. take on more stuff and maybe bring other friends into the effort. Mm-hmm. That's great. I also want to add mm-hmm. that I think it's important to support local groups yeah. that are speaking up on this and organizing on it because um, CHB, for example, you know, we've been involved with local issues, local and state issues, and we, mm-hmm. we weigh in when we can on federal issues. But um, when people support us and engage with us, whether it's like helping fund us like through donations or, you know, asking to be on our action alert list and like be notified of when there's important things happening. Mm -hmm. Um, We, it helps us, you know, be more active and engage more and get more Mm -hmm. people involved. It just kind of is an avalanche effect. Yeah. That's great. Thanks for saying that. Well, you mentioned a few groups earlier. Are there any of the groups that we haven't talked about yet that you think are doing really good work in Washington state or in this area that folks can get involved in? I think one of the groups we should talk about is Tacoma Roots and Crystal, Mm -hmm. you've been involved with that from the ground. A little bit. I think Hope's been more involved than me. Um, But, you know, I I was really excited to see that uh, group kind of naturally evolve and come about in in reaction to um, people in communities of color engaging on environmental issues in Tacoma and then finding that their voices weren't being heard or they were being dismissed or insulted. Yeah. but willing the willingness to continue to be a part of that conversation despite those challenges was mm-hmm. really inspirational for me to yep. see. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I wanted to help where I can, um, whatever that looks like, and be mm-hmm. a part of that. And so the Tacoma Roots is face, got a, has a Facebook page. That's basically um, what it is right it, at the moment. At the moment, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. it, it's a forum yeah. where, where people of, of color and can – hopefully communicate in a safe environment mm-hmm. about issues and be heard mm-hmm. and not attacked. And as one of the administrators of that group, you know, part of my job is try to help make sure that those voices are being mm-hmm. heard Facilitate and standing up for dialogue. people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's really interesting because the organizing group is a mix of white people and people of color. Mm-hmm. And so we're always having conversations about um, – using yeah making safe spaces and also Mm -hmm. like the white folks in that group we're constantly like trying to make sure that we're not taking up too much space Mm -hmm. in the conversations too like using our skills and facilitate and helping and facilitating but Mm -hmm. also like not stepping out of the forefront when we it's unnecessary to do that and not trying to mm -hmm. lead it yeah and that's i mean that's always been an issue for a lot of organizations and some of the stuff we're talking about today Mm -hmm. that's great Mm -hmm. i think one of the cool things about it is um it you know, in in addition to providing people of color more access to the conversation and just more um, more positive dialogue, it's it's actually providing it for everyone. So mm-hmm. it's a safer space yeah. for me to engage on issues and offer information or, you know, really anyone in our community, no matter mm-hmm. their background. And I think that's a really positive movement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll have a real life uh, in-person event coming up in March. So mm-hmm. oh, we'll put that out um, on the Facebook group and like in our show notes and stuff. 
it's still in process, but I think there's a March date set, so that'll be exciting. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. What, what are some other things? I know you um, both are so much expertise. Um, what are some other things you really care about that you think would be important for our listeners to think about or to know more about? Yeah, what are you jamming on right now? Like, have you read anything recently? Or are you, like, really obsessed with any particular topic or issue that you people need to know about that you want to get in your soapbox about a little bit? This is probably a little bit stupid for me to say, but um, so Bill McKibben, who's, you know, I think one of the founders of the modern environmental movement and is one of my just personal environmental heroes. He wrote The End of Nature back in the 80s. Mm, Um, He's he helped found 350.org, which is, Mm. I think, one of the best things in the climate movement going on. Um, He recently published a novel called Radio Free Vermont. He's from Vermont. And um, I just read this book, this novel over Christmas break, and it's kind of a sweet little story about um, a secession movement starting in Vermont. And um, there's this awesome chase scene that's on (laughs) cross-country skis, which just, like, is really close to my heart because I'm from Wisconsin (laughs) and I love cross-country skiing. Um, But it's, uh, it's a really cool novel because it, it, talks about the values that make a community and um, Mm. the secession movement movement that they talk about is kind of like getting to a lot of the tensions in the environmental community now. Um, They talk about how, you know, Vermonters want to have a healthier community. They also realize they're really um, white and need Mm. more diversity. And um, it's a really cool book. And that's just an easy thing that I'm Mm. kind of, I've been jamming on the past couple days. So yeah, sounds really good. Um, I want to mention the Jobs and Clean Energy mm. Coalition. Um, a couple years ago, mm. there was a, a couple different competing bills in the state legislature trying to get um, to deal with climate change mm. for, at Washington state level. Um, and it really divided the environmental community in the mm-hmm. state, and neither of them went forward. And then Governor Inslee proposed uh, his own carbon plan. And um, here we are at the start of the new legislative session, and there is, I think, really strong momentum through the Jobs and Clean Energy Coalition. And that group is really unique because it is um, led by communities of color in in conjunction working with the mainstream environmental community at a statewide level. Um, And... The voices that weren't being heard previously in the last session um, is what divided the environmental community, I think. And I think that's an important thing to know because 10 years ago, I don't think we were having these conversations Mm -hmm. about race and Mm -hmm. equity Mm -hmm. and environmental justice. And now we're talking about how do we address climate change in Washington in a way that – you know, deals with equity and makes sure that communities of color and people and poor people who are most affected by this are Mm -hmm. also – getting some benefits, getting home insulation mm. um, for their ha- old 100-year-old houses mm, yeah. and getting uh, opportunities for sustainable paying jobs that are good for the environment, that are local, that can be outsourced and things like that. And there's a lot of momentum about that. Mm. I understand that some tribes are supportive of it as well, too. And so it's a much broader umbrella. There's a lot more people coming together around this issue. And hopefully maybe we can get something done this year. That's exciting. Yeah. So I was wondering what you either of you think about Inslee. I mean, he's always tried to talk (laughs) facial expressions. (laughs) Wish everyone could see that. Uh, I mean, when I when he first started, it was like environment was his thing, and then he like tried. I'm in education, so like he tried to start talking about education. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is not your lane. But he was like trying to get in it and figure out what he meant. (laughs) Are you merging? Um, Is your turn signal on? So I mean, what are your takes on the work that he's doing now or the work that he's done in the past? Um, I didn't. I don't know what the facial expression comment was oh, okay. about, but um, why don't you go? Well, I, okay, so <laughs> um, personally, I think he's had strong support from the environmental community, and um, and, and at first, I, his first term, I wasn't so sure. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think um, he is moving in the right direction and doing a lot of good things in terms of the environment. I also think he he's right with doing a lot of great stuff for other issues around immigration Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, looking at our whole entire community in the state of Washington and, and welcoming everybody, um, legalized marijuana Mm -hmm. is another issue. Mm -hmm. Um, 
the people he has working for him are, I think, doing good things. Um, I'm pretty happy with him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Get it. This is curious. Yeah, I mean, I think I think governing's hard, and I think that— um, He doesn't listen to the show. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> no, we know How him. you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think— I think that it's really right now is a really difficult time to yeah. be governing in the U.S. because oh everywhere things are really mm. polarized. And yeah. he got a lot of heat for supporting the methanol plant that was mm. proposed in Tacoma. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he thought he was doing the right thing. And, you know, again, our community is changing and mm-hmm. things are pretty dynamic. And so mm. when he first heard about it, natural gas was the bridge fuel to a cleaner future. And so he supported mm. it. Yeah, that's and, how it was sold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and and I think that the environmental community was there mm-hmm. like around that time. Mm-hmm. The environmental mm-hmm. community's position has changed in mm-hmm. the last um, 10 years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so I can understand why he um, did what he did. But um, – yeah, I mean, there's definitely things that could be stronger. I think that um, he needs to be more connected to the labor community. Mm-hmm. I think that um, he needs to keep working and educating himself. And I think, you know, it sounds like he's going to be running for president in 2020. Yeah, so, yeah. like, <laughs> right. um, yeah, I mean, he's... I think he's denied that. But... <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. Elizabeth Warren also denied it, so... Yeah, right, we'll yeah. Um, so, no, I mean, I think that he's, uh, he's a good leader and... Yeah has good values mm-hmm. so awesome. mm-hmm. we so, could do a lot worse we could do a lot worse <laughs> we are yeah. doing a lot worse so yeah. true <laughs> yeah. well what do you think um in terms of uh tacoma so we talked about like people getting involved in the different organizations funding mm-hmm. anything else that like we can be doing now to try to pay more attention to these issues um i was thinking like is there like and this is maybe this doesn't exist and it just needs we can put it on our list of things to create in the universe that are good. Um, but like, is there an aggregator for like local news about environmental issues? Mm-hmm. Like where you can just go and like, here's Tacoma's environmental news. Like, is that a thing? Kind or, of. Like what else do we need? To... <laughs> well, there's the, are Enviro you doing news. that? <laughs> um, there's the Enviro news listserv. Although yeah. that's oh, like, that's okay. an email listserv. So it's just okay. whatever people yeah. post. Um, but that's a good thing to sign up for if people want to um, hear about events going on. Although I won't, I wouldn't say that it's like, all of Tacoma's environmental yeah. news. Yeah. We are trying to get out a monthly newsletter about the um, issues we're working on, and yeah. you know that's that's pretty big. I know mm-hmm. that the county puts together; they have a sustainability newsletter, and right, the county has a sustainability mm-hmm. newsletter. I think the city of Tacoma also has one. Yeah. Um, they, I think they have a blog. Both of them have a blog as well. Cool. Um, I manage a couple email lists for the Puyallup Watershed Council and the Chambers Culver Creek Watershed Council, cool. which are both nice. include the city of Tacoma. And monthly, I'll put out information about volunteer opportunities, Great. events, activities cool. coming up, just ways for people to get involved. Nice. And I, I think, it, like, one of the things I thought your question was going to ask is, like, what's what's coming up in the next year for Tacoma? Yeah, yeah. you have that question. We, we're wondering <laughs> that's, that's, that's a great wrap-up What's coming up? <laughs> um, one of the big processes that will be happening and um, kind of the next step for the fossil fuel moratorium is this discrete planning process for the tide flats. It's called the mm-hmm. sub-area planning process mm-hmm. for the tide flats. Mm-hmm. And it's basically talking about what do we want that industrial section of our community to look like into the future. Mm-hmm. And so the city's leading the effort, the port's mm-hmm. involved, the tribe is involved, um, the county may or may not be involved. Um and it, they'll be pulling together stakeholders to talk about that. And mm. um, it'll be happening. It'll be starting soon, yeah. I think, I hope. Um, and going it, – it shouldn't last too long. I mean, the city has said that it might last like one to three years. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully it doesn't last longer than three years because I think there's a lot of urgent issues that mm. our community wants to talk about. But um, – I think that's an issue that people should just have in mind Mm -hmm. to track and get engaged Mm -hmm. with as much as possible. Um, Stakeholder groups, I think that CHB will be part of that. And so people can engage with us to learn about action Mm -hmm. opportunities on that and a couple other urgent issues. But that's what I would say is like number one issue just at the city level. Mm -hmm. Anything else Mm -hmm. for 2018 that we should be Hmm. paying attention to? Um, the Piala River Watershed Council that I, I work with them, um, they are working in on 2018 developing an ecosystem recovery plan oh, for the rad. entire Piala watershed. Wow. So that, that starts on top of Mount Rainier, yeah, goes huge. all the way through down through Piala Valley out yeah. to Commencement Bay in Tacoma. Yeah. Um, so 
Um, yeah, that's a really big deal. And they're looking to involve a lot of people, anybody who's interested in getting involved with it and saying, what is it going to take to restore the watershed, um, all different kinds of things, including agriculture and farming and healthy fish habitat, um, you know, neighborhood street trees, air quality, you name it. And so they're, you know, want to have more people involved and more voices at the table for Mm -hmm. those conversations as well, too. And that's going to get started probably the next couple months. That's awesome. So we'll try to link to all that information um, in the show notes or contacts so folks can look that up. Um, Final segment. Do. Do your fudging homework. Interchangeable. White ladies. So, I my homework. I actually um, found the EPA's environmental justice uh, mm-hmm. section to actually be pretty helpful. I was a little su- surprised because I was wor- I'm worried about the EPA and what's going to happen <laughs> mm-hmm. with it. But they have a page about environmental justice, and if you are not sure what that is, mm. you should go check it out because mm-hmm. it's pretty interesting stuff. Uh, very important the conversation we had today and for thinking about how environmental issues affect our community, which is very diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, environmental justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I should add they have a really cool mapping tool that oh, you can sweet. use. As a, yeah. As so. a social studies teacher, I appreciate that. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Excellent. Awesome. Yeah. Homework recommendation? I'd say um, – just a quick, simple thing people can do is, like, buy reused stuff. Don't buy new stuff. Nice. I think that mm-hmm. um, the amount of stuff that we have going to landfills is insane. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's a – we were going to talk a little bit about ethical consumerism. And, you yeah. know, we didn't get to it, but um, – Yeah, talk about it now. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> we got I time. think that <laughs> um, – it, it just, like, it plays to this issue of there being um, – big disparities between mm-hmm. um, socioeconomic classes in our society. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, people will talk about how they have all organic clothes and eat only organic food and um, drive an electric vehicle. And that's great. But mm-hmm. um, then there becomes a sense that people who can't afford that aren't true environmentalists. And that's mm-hmm. just insane. So that was what mm-hmm. I was wondering. I mean, it kind of reminds me of what you're saying about the bomb shelters thing, about access and money. Like, mm-hmm. how, why do you need money to then have access to environmental why is ethi- why things? Is, why is ethical consumerism so expensive? <laughs> exactly. Because it's Because it's elitist. Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's, like, exclusive. Yeah. And, yeah. and then mm-hmm. it perpetuates this notion that, like, if you show up to hearing talking about how we need to change away from fossil fuels, but you drove there, people say that you're a hypocrite. And right. you're not. Like, mm-hmm. You shouldn't have an entry of, like, being able to afford an electric vehicle um, to be an environmentalist and, like, advocate for your personal health. Um, So, you know, I'm saying your homework is, like, buy, reuse just because, like, let's get rid of this, like, conspicuous consumerism, like, you know, way that people kind of show show their environmentalism and just, like – speak through our work, our actions, not our awesome. appearance. Can I add a bonus track on that? Can yeah. I just say, <laughs> go Google zero waste, because I found zero, the zero waste movement is really, really cool, and it's not oh, expensive. Yeah. It's like reusing things you have or like getting things used that are very affordable, and I started taking my um, my protein shake that I have in the morning in a mason jar mm-hmm. this week, and I <laughs> felt pretty pretty good about that, because I usually take it in plastic, and I, that was, I don't know, it just felt good. It felt good. You should do it. <laughs> and not only good for the environment, it makes you feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, I was thinking about something in Tacoma that's been organized. I think they've been going on for about a year. Uh, Green Drinks Tacoma, Chrissy Cooley. And I've actually never yeah. attended mm-hmm. one. Have either of you attended? Oh, yeah. yes. They're I, fun. I used to coordinate oh, awesome. it as a volunteer. So it's Sweet. been going on for like 10 years. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I've only been aware of it in the last few yeah. Yeah. It only sorry. exists as long sorry. as Hope has known about it. <laughs> this is like prime. <laughs> sorry. Apologies. Yes. Actually, um, speaking of Green Drinks, yeah. uh, the Chambers Culver Creek Watershed Council is hosting the next hey. Green Drinks okay. on February 1st. Perfect. Peaks and Pines. So it's every month at the beginning of the month, correct? It's on the first Thursday of the month. Mm -hmm. And basically what happens when people go? Um, Well, the idea is just to bring different voices together. Anybody who's interested in environmental issues, it's a good opportunity for networking, looking for jobs, volunteering, meeting friends after work. Um, So it's an after work social and a different group um, hosts it each month. It's a different location. And so mm-hmm. they pick the location and they get to do that little five minutes, what what this group's about, what we do, how you can get involved. 
Um, there's no fundraising or anything like that. That's a rule. It's just a social fun time. And we're going to have a trivia night about the watershed at, at the next one. Hey. Um, yeah. I love that I'm recommending something that I've actually never been to. <laughs> <laughs> but I just can hear everyone talk about how amazing it is. And it you just never lines up my calendar. So I'm just yeah. like, yeah. oh, people got to go. Gotta and it. I got to yeah. go. Yeah, 2018 you know, goals. Yeah. <laughs> I think oftentimes um, people are doing, doing this work and involved in it are they're showing up to something for a particular issue. They have mm. an agenda. They have a meeting. They have a few minutes yeah. to make a comment. And they don't get that opportunity for the mm. social interaction and just, yeah. you know, comfortable, relaxing environment and getting to know the other people. So that's yeah. part of what that yeah. is about. It's getting to know the people and in the community. That camaraderie makes the work better. Mm-hmm. Like, it just makes everything easier, right? Like, if you have that camaraderie with people. Any other homework that we've now thought of? <laughs> hmm. All right. That's no. a lot. I think that's a lot. That's so yeah, thank you good. again for coming on the show. So We're really much. excited. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is part of the Channel 253 Network. Subscribe to the other podcasts, Nerd Farmer, Move to Tacoma, Citizen Tacoma, and Flounder's B Team. Bye. Class dismissed. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We, we fly, fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.